Well, I want to welcome all of you that may be joining us right now for the very first time. I want to welcome you, those of you on Facebook Live, those that are on online. I'm Pastor Steve. We are honored to have you with us. We are in a series at Church of the King, and we are in part six of that series, and it's called Jesus is. Now, this is a very special weekend. It's, it's actually, it's Palm Sunday, and it's Holy Week leading up to, for believers, again, Good Friday and then Easter, the resurrection, which is really like our Super Bowl, man. I mean, the resurrection of Christ. I do want to say that next weekend is going to be very, very special. You do not want to miss that. It's interesting, this week I was searching and looking through and just really praying about, you know, as we're finishing up our series, we're, we're looking at uh, the different aspects and different characteristics of who Jesus is. We've looked at a whole bunch. This week, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about Jesus is, Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of of man. There's a lot of terms in the Bible that we've talked about describing Jesus. And by the way, there's a lot of concepts that people have about Jesus. Some of them are correct. Some of them are incorrect. Those that are correct are based upon the Bible. Those that are incorrect are based upon often hearsay or some sort of tradition, or maybe your uncle told you, maybe he's a good man, but, but did he tell you what the Bible says? Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus is the Son of Man, out of a story in Luke chapter 5. It shows the humanity of Christ. It shows how much he cares about us. It shows the power of Christ demonstrated towards a hurting, broken person. And I found something this week. It's so powerful. It's a clip. Some of you guys may have seen of course, there was a series about Jesus a number of years ago, and this clip depicts what we're going to talk about today. Check this out, and I'm going to be right back and teach through Luke chapter 5. Check this out. the commandments of the Lord your God and his statutes which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and what is good in sight of the Lord. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes. Thank you. 
how shall we picture the kingdom of God? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. The smallest seed in the world. Yet, when planted, It grows up. Rabbi! He's Sins are forgiven, my son. Did you hear that? He has forgiven his sins. I thought only God could do that. Isn't that blasphemy? He knows. It is blasphemy. Is that your wish, my friend? Well, answer me. Tell me which is easier. To say his sins are forgiven. Or say he. Get up. And walk. a powerful, powerful picture of the compassion of Christ, of the healing power of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ. It's interesting, this miracle, if you look at it, it shows up in three of the four gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. Today, we're going to look at this miracle in Luke chapter 5. Now, notice, did you, did you notice the word that was used? The son of man. I want you to think about that. It's going to be very important as we teach today. What does Jesus mean when he says the son of man? Luke chapter 5 verse 24. Watch the different times we see that term, the son of man. But that you may know that the son of, there it is again, the son of man, has power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus calls himself the son of man. In fact, he is called the son of man 88 times in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the, here it is, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, for the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That name is actually a reference to a prophecy that is found in the book of Daniel hundreds of and hundreds of years before this. I'm going to read this. Daniel chapter, watch this. Daniel chapter 7. And I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one, here it is again, 
like the Son of Man. Now it's describing what Jesus does. Coming with clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and, and they brought him near before him. Look at the next verse. And then, they, and then to him was given dominion and glory and power and the glory of a kingdom and that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not cease. It shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that one shall not be destroyed. When Jesus calls himself the son of man, he is making a clear reference point to the fact that his identity was the Messiah. Now I want you to hear this. He wasn't the only person that was called the son of man. Matter of fact, if you look in the Bible, Ezekiel was actually called the son of man multiple times, the prophet of man, the, the prophet Ezekiel. And it was simply referring, it's a term that refers to a man. I want you to think about this. What was the problem that the Jews really had about Jesus? I'll tell you what the problem was. And we've been teaching in this series. It's that Jesus, watch this, was fully God. He did things that only God, he would forgive sin. Only God. That's why the Pharisee was offended. He forgave sin like only God could. But he loved people and he had compassion on people like a man would. Thus, Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% man. Jesus was the son of man, and he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh, and yet he was a man in the flesh. Can I tell you what blows people away? What blows people away is when they begin to think about the fact that Jesus Christ was a man who relates to you and I. In other words, he was a working man. He had blisters on his hands. He understood what it was to pay bills. He understood. Matter of fact, many theologians believe that. That Joseph, Jesus' stepfather, died when he was a teenager. And, and, and he had to actually take on the family business. And he had to provide for his household because his mom was a single mom. And we know from a few weeks ago that he had four other half-brothers and two other half-sisters. He had other siblings and he had to provide. He was a man. In other words, he understands what we're going through. He understands what you're going through, sir. He understands what you're going through, man. He, he, he understands the, 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 the stresses of life. Matter of fact, I wrote down this this week as I was thinking about all the different aspects of what Jesus relates to us. He, he understands rejection. He understands betrayal. He understands grief. Why? Because he's not just the son of God. He is the son of man. He relates to you, sir. Had a conversation with a guy one time and he was hung up on the fact because he just couldn't grapple with that reality. He just couldn't get over the fact that, 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 that God was not, not, not way far out there detached, but that God wanted to talk to him, that God was interested in his hurts, that God was interested in his concerns, that God was interested. In other words, that God got him. Why? Because he was a man. He understood what it meant to 
to weep. He understood what it meant to grieve. He understood rejection. He understood all the things that we go through. And I want to talk to you today about Jesus, the Son of Man. Maybe you've never heard a message like this before. Maybe you only thought of Jesus as being God, but, but yet he's a man. And, he, and he's a man that, 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 that wants to connect with you. He wants to get right into your pain with you. And he wants to provide solutions for where you are. But the issue is, we've got to respond to him. How do we respond to Jesus, the Son of Man? Luke chapter 5 is a fantastic gospel story of how we are to interact with Jesus, the Son of Man. Number one, how do we experience the Son of Man? I want to teach you today, number one, we've got to learn to come to Jesus as we are. Come to Jesus as we are. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And then behold, Men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. I thought that movie did a good depiction of that. We got a vivid picture of that. This man was paralyzed and these men brought him whom they sought to bring in and lay him down. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on to the very top of the house and they let the man down with his bed through the tiling into the midst of Jesus. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Jesus always had crowds wherever he went. I mean, people knew about Jesus. Matter of fact, the crowds would follow him. Not only the children, but people would sit on a hillside and they would listen to the words of Jesus. And they would listen, whether it was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, or, or whether he was healing the sick, or whether he was, he was multiplying fish and bread in the wilderness. People always gathered around Jesus. And once again, he was in a house. and Man, there were so many people, and there was crowds. And, 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 and this man... This man had these friends were committed to him. And, and, and those friends said, if we could only get this man to Jesus, he can be healed. They went to the house and they, they couldn't get in the house. So they had an idea, why don't they go up on top of the house? And they cut a hole through the top roof of the house. And they, they lowered this man down into the room. And then they brought him to Jesus. And I, be, I began to think of this story. I, I began to think about how determined those guys were. These people would stop at nothing. I tell you one thing right now. It's amazing the stories that I'm hearing through all of the challenge that we're going through locally, nationally, globally. How there are people that are so committed to getting their friends to turn online programs on, to get them to Christ. Maybe they can't bring them to a physical building. Maybe they can't bring them to church, but Man, they are calling them. They are, there's more prayer groups that are going on. Isn't it amazing? Right in the middle of this crisis, right in the middle of this absolute crisis, global pandemic, there are more people that are talking about Jesus. There are more people that are watching. Literally thousands and th millions of people are watching online programs. 
There are more gospel preaching going out, more people having online chats, small groups. Why? Why? Because there's people that are bringing their friends to Christ. Why is that? Because they know that if they can just get them to Christ, if they can just get them. And sir, I want to say this. Maybe there's somebody here listening. And you had a friend that said, man, if you'll just turn on a program, if you'll just turn on, there's a preacher in Louisiana, there's this minister, there's this guy down there, I don't know how old he is, they say he's old, but he looks pretty young, come on, you know what I'm talking about. And if you could just, if you could just, and there's all kind of churches, gospel preaching churches, where there's friends that have brought people to Christ. We're so honored that you're with us today. There's these determined friends and they were not going to take no for an answer, and they went up on the roof. And it didn't bother Jesus at all. I, I, I loved in that movie clip that that guy just, boom, he just kind of dropped on the ground. And Jesus just turned. How many of you know Jesus doesn't get freaked out? Matter of fact, he loves, he loves seeing broken people come to him. He loves seeing hurting people. Let me just tell you something. I want to I expose a lie. I've heard so many times people say to me, Pastor, I just need to make some changes and then I need to come to God. No, you don't. You come to God with all of your hurts. You come to God with all your sickness. You come to God with all your pain. You come to God with all your junk. In other words, you don't turn over a new leaf and then you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus with the leaves just like they are. It's interesting, I was watching that clip and I thought, and I saw the face of Jesus turn to that man. And I thought to myself, Jesus, the son of man, he is so infinitely approachable. He, he is so infinitely, he's, the eyes of Jesus, the, the, they're so warm how they connect with hurting people. Jesus didn't go, hey, a minute, wait, wait, wait. You're stopping my meeting. Time out, buddy. I'm teaching over here. No, he didn't do that. Matter of fact, he did just the opposite. He allowed that man to be brought to him. He allowed him to come right in. And, and I think it's so interesting because, because in this whole thing, we, we see the determination of these men and we, and we see the, the brokenness of the man, the man that was brought. The son of man is infinitely approachable. I had a conversation with a guy one time and I was sharing Jesus with him, and boy, I tell you, at the end of the conversation, he literally told me this. He literally said to me that he needed to make some changes. I said, you don't need to change. I said, let me tell you something, buddy. For many, many years, I ran from God, and I thought that I had to change myself. And the moment I came to Christ, the moment he washed me with his blood, the moment that I, I finally surrendered to God, let me tell you something. That moment, he's the one that changed me. And I began to think about that scripture in Hebrews chapter. Oh, it's such a powerful scripture. Hebrews chapter four. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. We, we can come boldly to God. We don't have to shrink back. We don't have to let our insecurities or our fears, but we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. Something about hunger. The hunger of man drawing close to God. You see, if we understand God loves us and we understand that God cares about us, listen, then we know that God will not cast us aside, but he'll receive us and he'll love us and he'll cleanse us. You think about in the Bible, all the people that were hungry and they cried out to God. Matter of fact, 
One of the teachings in the Bible, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Think about blind Bartimaeus, who had been blind his whole life, and he heard about Jesus, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus healed him. Think about the woman with the issue of blood and her hunger. She pushed through the crowd and she kept saying to herself, if only I can touch his hem. If only I could touch the hem of his garment. I know I can be healed. It was her hunger that drew her to Christ. But she didn't have to change before she got to Christ. She changed when she got to Christ. Please don't try to change yourself and then come to Jesus Bring all your good, bring all your bad, bring all of your garbage, and watch what he'll do with it. Number one, we come as we are to the feet of Jesus. Number two, the second thing that I see in this whole gospel account is we not only come as we are, but when we come, we find two things. The first, we find forgiveness. When we come to Jesus We find forgiveness. Look what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 20. It says, when he saw, listen, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. I think this is so fascinating, by the way. This is absolutely fascinating. Number one, did you notice that it doesn't say when he saw the sick man's faith? But he said when he saw their faith. Don't tell me that, that people... Believing God cannot get them to Jesus. Something about that. My mom prayed for me. My dad prayed for me. Let me tell you, I believe it was my mom's faith that actually brought me to the feet of Jesus. And matter of fact, there's some of you guys right now that are watching me. I say this so respectfully. And you're sitting there and it was somebody else's faith that brought you to this program. Maybe it's a husband or maybe it's a wife. And and you're only doing it because your spouse said you should do it. Thank you so much. I won't be long. Maybe it's a teenager and your mom said, you're going to watch Pastor Steve and you're going to hear Jesus preach and you're going to hear the gospel. It's your mom's faith or maybe it's a neighbor's faith. They brought you to Jesus. It doesn't matter whose faith it was, but somebody prayed for you to get you to where you are. The reason that you're here is there was a grandma, there was a grandpa, there was an aunt, there was somebody in your life. It was somebody's prayer. The reason, listen, the reason that you are still alive, it was somebody else's faith that has brought you this close to Christ. The Bible says that Jesus looked up and he saw their faith. He saw the faith of those four men. I, I was reminded as I was finishing up this message, I was reminded of a man named Vince Grimion. Vince Grimion, when I was a 16-year-old boy, I don't know how he got my number. I think my mom gave him my number at church. And he was a little bit older than me and he had a youth Bible study and he kept calling me. I'm telling you, he would call me every Saturday night, every single Saturday night he would call me. He would call me for a Bible study. And this is, oh gosh, man, this is in the, in the 80s. And, and, and I don't know if you guys remember this. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember a fo- your phone that was in the kitchen and they had a cord that stretched all the way to y'all bed? Do y'all remember that all the way to the bedroom? Do y'all, y'all remember that? Boy, I might tell you, my mom would tell me Saturday is probably about four or five o'clock because he had a Saturday night Bible study for teenagers, man. And I was running from God, 16 years old. Seven of my, every my, 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 
Steve, Vince is on the phone. Vince is on the phone. Why is he on the phone? He wants to get you to come go to the Bible stuff. I thought, oh my gosh, when is Vince going to leave me alone? I'll never forget when I gave my heart to Christ and I found I was 19 years old and I was a freshman at college at Tulane University. I was a bunch of college kids. And I'll never forget when I went back and I told Vince and I said, Vince, I want to thank you, man. You didn't give up on me. You kept praying for me. It was your prayers. It was your faith that brought me to Christ. And I'm so grateful. Number one, we come as we are. Number two, when we come to Jesus, we find forgiveness. But we're often brought to Jesus by the faith of somebody else. Now, the second thing that I think is so interesting about this. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal. But when the man appears before Jesus, Jesus doesn't say at first, be healed. But what you might expect him to say, he doesn't say. What does he say? He says, you're forgiven. Why is that? I want to say this. Jesus, the son of man, is infinitely merciful. Do you know that there are some people right now, matter of fact, a lot of people that have been impacted by this virus and they think that their problem is a financial problem. Please hear what I'm about to say. I'm not at any level trying to deny that. They think maybe it's a relational problem they're having right now. Maybe it's a physical problem. There's a physical problem. And God is concerned about your financial problems. God is concerned about your physical problems. God is concerned about your relational problems. But can I tell you what he's most concerned about? He's concerned about your soul. And isn't it interesting? Jesus is going to get to the healing part. But the first thing he does is he looks at the man. And he says to the man, your sins are forgiving. In other words, sir, in other words, the most important thing in our lives, how long are we going to live for? 80, 90, 100 years. I heard somebody recently uh, in, in the greater New Orleans area, there were 107 years. And that's a long time, but there's nothing like eternity. And that's why your soul is most important. God wants to heal your body. God wants to heal your mind. God wants to heal your financial situation. But God wants our soul forgiven of the sin, the things in our life that we've done wrong, the, the, the sin that's, that, that's caused that breach in our relationship with God. And you know what it is, sir. Ma'am, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the very first thing he says is, he says, your sins are forgiven you. It's interesting. I was thinking in my life how when I went to that first Bible study, Right before I gave my heart to Christ, that night, that very first night, that very first night, where it was like this was the moment, October 27th, 1987. By the way, two girls invited me. Two girls used their faith. Now, I'd like to say that I went to the Bible study with good motives. I just want to say they were pretty cute. So I thought, you know, I'm going to follow them along. And they cornered me, actually. There's a college Bible study, Steve, and we want you to come to this. It's a bunch of college kids. And I thought, all right, I'll go along. Yeah, sure, I'll. I'll go along with you. I'll never forget when that Bible study leader was, he was sharing the gospel. At the end, he said, if you'd like to, I'd like to pray and bow your heads. And I remember in my mind, I remember in my mind, 
There were some challenges in my life that I was dealing with in that present moment. And I remember in my mind, I thought, I had sinned too much. I had sinned too much that God could never forgive me. Sir, let me just say this, man, let me say You've never sinned too much that the blood of Christ cannot wash away and cleanse you. Jesus looked at that man and said, your sins are forgiven. So much so that the teacher of the law, he knew that only God could forgive sins. And he says, that's blasphemy. No, 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 no. Jesus was the son of man, but he was also the son of God. Your sins are forgiven you. And I believe that God wants to tell us today, if we'll confess our sin and we'll say, Jesus, come into my life, wash me. I believe that Jesus wants to say, your sins are forgiven. He can declare that. And let me tell you, you can't forgive yourself. By the way, you can't do any works to try to cleanse yourself. You, you, can't, you can't try to earn your way into a relationship with God. You, you can't do enough things. Well, if I just help enough people, helping people is wonderful, but helping people does not wash away our sins. What can wash away our sin? There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Number one, we come, we come as we are. And number two, when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we receive forgiveness. Let me give you this last and final thing that I see here. Is that not only can we receive forgiveness of our sins, but we could also receive healing in our body, healing in our mind, not only healing in our soul, and this is important. Maybe some of you grew up in church and, and you've thought, you know what, God will just forgive you of your sins. And I, I want to say this so respectfully. God is not only a forgiver of our soul, but he's also, he's also a, a healer of our minds. And he's also a healer of our bodies. He's also somebody that can heal our situation relationally when there's, when there's a, a, a fragmentation of relationship in the home. God is the one that can come and heal. Look at the scripture. Luke chapter 5 verse 21. I'm just teaching verse by verse through this. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see that? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, Take up your bed and walk. Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them and he took up what he'd been lying on and he departed to his own house, glorifying God. I'm telling you, it feels so good when God touches our lives. And they were all amazed and they all glorified God. I wrote this down. It's often interesting and rewarding to note in the Bible. Not only what is said, but also what is not said. Not only what is done, but also what is not done. Friends, your sins are forgiven. Your, your sins are forgiven. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. But the irony of it is, is that when that man was brought up there to Jesus, listen to me closely. He wasn't even anticipating his sins to be forgiven. He was anticipating his body to be healed. Watch this. Notice what is said, 
what is not said, what is done, and what is not done. How many of you know God can change things and God can do whatever he wants? And here's my point. God wanted to heal his soul and he wanted to throw healing in as well. Some of you guys have emailed. Some of you guys have sent in prayer requests. We've had all kind of things that we have heard. And I know there's all kind of you guys in very intense situations. And Jesus, the Son of Man, he is not detached from your concerns. He is not distant and way far off. But he is close to your cry and he is close to your heart. And as that man, listen, as that man was right there, he knew exactly what that guy came for. He came for healing in his body. But he knew that he was going to give him healing in his soul and healing in his body. Friends, listen to me closely. Let's not lose out on what God is trying to do in our lives. God wants to provide financially for us. God wants to do supernatural miracles. Yes. But he wants to heal our souls. He wants to heal you of that rejection that's held you back for life. And each morning, you're like, man, I've had so much extra time. Maybe he wants to heal that marriage. Maybe you're spending more time with your spouse that you've never spent before. Maybe he wants to heal that relationship that you have with one of your kids. And you, you, thought, you thought this whole thing was a frustration. And you thought, and let me tell you something, I don't believe in any way. I don't believe that God hurts us, that God wants to do bad things. But I believe that God can use any negative thing that happens in this world and turn it around somehow for our good and his glory. And the reality is, is that God had an extra measure of not only healing for the body, but healing for the soul. I'm believing that God's going to heal some souls today. I'm believing that God's going to not only forgive, listen, God's not only going to forgive us of our sin, but I believe that God wants to heal you in the place of the pain of your soul, the rejection you've dealt with, the shame from your past. The fact is, is that Christ is alive and he is a healer and he is a miracle worker and he will restore your life, restore your mind and restore your body and soul. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Don't say, I'll take this, but I want that. No, no, God wants to heal spirit, soul, and body, spiritually, mentally. You don't have to live with the torment in your mind. But you come to God, you come before Jesus, and you ask him, Jesus, heal my mind. And you open up to other brothers and sisters in Christ. You get on an online chat group and a small group and you ask for prayer and you ask for them to pray to Jesus for healing in your mind. Some of you, there's so much anxiety that some of you are dealing with. You don't have to live with that by yourself. You don't have to struggle with that by yourself. We have a God that heals. We have a God that delivers us from not only sin, but shame. And he deals with us and delivers us from our anxieties. I love that scripture. I'll close with this. Man, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. You got to see that forgiveness and healing and deliverance. It's all in the gospel. Forgiveness and healing and deliverance. It's all there. It's all a package. Healing, forgiveness of the soul, healing of the body, deliverance in your mind. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, I love this scripture. Jesus Christ, by the way, he hasn't changed. 
No, 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 no. He's not changed. The Bible says he's the same yesterday. Can you say that with me? He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's the same forever. But what was he doing yesterday? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power who went about doing good. God's not the problem in your life. God wants to bring good into your life. God is not the one creating problems. God is the one, listen, he's the one wanting to heal you from the issues. Yeah. He went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. There's demonic oppression that's on the land right now. Listen to me closely. There is a demonic spirit of fear in the earth. There is a demonic spirit of fear that's been released. God wants to heal you. God wants to rebuke that in your life. You need to get other brothers and sisters in Christ around you. Matter of fact, after Easter, I'm starting a new series about standing firm, unshaken. I'm going to teach on how to overcome fear, how to overcome worry. But I'm going to tell you something. Fear is a spirit. And God wants to heal you. Listen, he doesn't want you oppressed by the enemy. But he wants you strong in faith. Why? For God, for God, God is with you. God is with you. Matter of fact, I want to pray for you right now. God wants to heal your mind. God wants to heal your body. God wants to heal your soul. God wants to forgive you of your sin. Spirit, soul, and body. Listen, we don't have to leave anything out. He told that man, son, your sins are forgiven. And he also said, rise up. It was forgiveness and it was healing together. Oh God, God can do it in your life. If God did it then, God can do it today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you bow your heads right now? I'm going to ask everybody, all those of you, thousands of people joining us online right now. I sense the Holy Spirit. Jesus is wanting to save some people right now. He's wanting to forgive some people of their sin. He's wanting to bring people into relationship with him. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want us to pray together. Can we do that? Before we pray, matter of fact, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Do you know that your sins have been forgiven? Are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to stand before God? The Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is in Christ. He is the one that gives eternal life. And if you'll confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, I can't save you. Don't let any man tell you that a church can save you. Belonging to a church doesn't save you. That doesn't make you right with God. Hopefully you can find out about God in a church, but only Christ can save. It's only Jesus that can save. He's the one that died on the cross for you. Question, do you know Christ? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, you know who you are. At the count of three, lift your hand up high and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me. I want to be at peace with God. If that's you, one two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high. Hold it up high. And let's pray this prayer. Come on, all of us together. Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Wash me of my sin. Make me new. Say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the word of the living God taking root deep, deep 
and the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want you to look at me. Everybody look at me. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to just give you some short instructions. It's so important to let your your host, online host, the Facebook host, there's a whole bunch of, let them know what happened. You can email us as a church. We'd love to get you some information. We want you to stay tuned. We want to help you grow in God. Father, bless your people this day. May the grace of God be upon their life. In the mighty name of Jesus.